Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tony, and I'm your host. With over a decade in the local church, I care deeply and passionately about helping you connect with Jesus in a practical way. Today's conversation was such a joy. I got to speak to the legendary Trudy Kathy White, the daughter of Jeanette and Truett Kathy, the founders of Chick-fil-A. In our conversation, we talk about what it's like to grow up in that world, about leaving a legacy that lasts, and why family values are so important. She's got such a great perspective to share with us. I know you're going to love this conversation, especially if you've got kids at home. If you do love the conversation, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts, leave a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify, and the highest compliment you can give us, share this episode with a friend, maybe a spouse or someone you know who's trying to build some family values. Guys, I'm so thankful to be on this journey with you. And now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Trudy Kathy White. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today to have author, speaker, entrepreneur, Trudy Kathy White. Trudy, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, Tony, what a joy. I'm very honored to be with you. Thanks so much. Um, I There are so many different ways I thought about introducing you, but not least of which is you are the daughter to the legendary founder of Chick-fil-A, which I'm sure so many of my listeners are already recognize the, uh, the, your maiden name. Um, let me just kind of start from an abstract perspective. How would you describe the calling that God has placed on your life? Well, the calling for my life, I think it's to be all that God created and designed me to be. It talks a lot about in God's word, how, you know, we were made in his image. So if uh, my calling is to be very obedient to the Lord, be all that he's created to me to be. And, you know, I, I live every day trying to be very intentional. I want to have an intentional influence wherever I go. I can mm-hmm. invest in relationships. I can inspire culture around us and, and encourage the next generation to have godly character in their lives. So that's, that's really where God has me in this season right now, for sure. Yeah, I love that word intentional. It's one of the things that we talk about often here. Um, I, I'm also curious, what's it like growing up as the daughter of this legendary founder of um, of what seemed like started as, you know, just a, a chicken sandwich and kind of evolved into an entire community of people? You know, Chick-fil-A is it's almost cultish in the way that people love it. I mean, what's what's that experience been like for you? Yeah, well, um, I don't go back to my early, earlier years. Now, my dad went into the restaurant business in 1946 when he was 25 years old and single. So a lot of people don't know that part of the history that my dad actually ended up running a restaurant for eight, 18 and a half years before he ever invented Chick-fil-A. So he had a lot of experience uh, with customers and with food. He had opened a little small diner grill that served everything from a full breakfast menu to hamburgers and steaks uh, that people would eat with them. So as a little girl, once I came along, my mother recognized that my dad was working long, long hours because his restaurant was open 24 hours, six days a week. And my mother felt like probably the only time she would get to see him very much was to take children with her and go and visit him at his restaurant. So my mother would have us go. I have two older brothers, and we would actually sing for the customers uh, at his restaurant every once in a while when my mom would uh, take us there. And so that was kind of unique to be able to do that. But we 
thought it was fun. We didn't like to practice, but we enjoyed singing for the customers. <laughs> then uh, when dad did invent Chick-fil-A, that was in 1964. Three years later, he was able to open his first what we know of today as a Chick-fil-A restaurant. We opened in Greenbrier, Greenbrier Mall in Atlanta, Georgia. And I remember that day. I was nine years old. My mother bought me a special dress to wear to the opening, and I stood there and handed out balloons to customers as they would come in to eat with us. And I remember the day very distinctly. It was a lot of fun, but I think I remember it not so much that I knew that this was going to be something new, uh, this, this was going to be something really special, a chicken sandwich, but I remember it because I didn't have to go to school that day. So that's why it kind of <laughs> stuck <in my> mind. <laughs> so, uh, so, So I think, you know, my parents would say as well, none of us knew all that the Lord had in store for us with this business. And it's been an incredible journey, but my parents are, they are just normal parents like any other parents. They believed in the Lord, have walked faithfully with him as they began to raise the three of us as children. They wanted us to um, understand the value of Christian faith and passing that on to us that we choose to follow uh, the Lord. I did make that decision when I was seven and a half years old to embrace the love God gave me and receive the gift of eternal life. And I can't say that I've been a perfect child the rest of the time. There are no perfect people. But having made that decision early in my life has kept me from making decisions that I think I might would have made had I not known the Lord. So I'm very thankful for parents who lived a godly life uh, before us. And, you know, people talk about Chick-fil-A a lot, and we so appreciate all the wonderful um, uh, raving fans that eat with us. But we would be quickly to, quick to say that we're really not in the chicken business. We're in the people business. And to watch my mom and dad invest in other people has been a, a tremendous joy. So I am both honored and proud to be a part of the Kathy family and uh, to say that my mom and dad, Trent and Jeanette Kathy, uh, that they were my mom and dad. Yeah, that's uh that's beautiful. And I, I think it's so true for all of us, right? All of us parents, we just want to be, um, we just want to try to be the best parents we know how to be. I, I, um, I love to look at dedication pages and I read your dedication page and I, I'd like to read it um, for our, our listeners because it was beautifully done and it, it, it's very telling about your values. And it's uh, to our grandchildren, Ashlyn, Anna, Catherine, Caleb, Daniel, Micah, Lydia, Reese Wheeler, Moran, am Maren. I saying that right? Maren. Maren. Okay. Levi, Michael, Tucker, Caitlin, Landon, Brooklyn, and any others God chooses to gift our family. May you point others to Jesus as living examples of our family values. He is the legacy that lasts. In loving memory of Carter, our grandson in heaven, who is carried for a moment but will be loved for a lifetime. Out of all the people in your world that you could have uh, dedicated this book to, why these special grandkids? Well, it's very interesting to um, watch your children, your own children, become parents. Let me just say, um, I remember when um, our second uh, child, our son, was married, had a little baby, came home to visit us for the holidays, and he put the baby down for a nap and sat down with me, and he said, looked across the table at me, and he said, Mom says, you won't believe how hard this is parenting a little child. We're up all night long. We're changing diapers. And he began to tell me all about how difficult it was to be a parent. And I'm kind of just on the inside chuckling because, of course, I know what all he's going, going through. But it's, it's hard to imagine your own parents um, taking care of you when you were a baby. And so 
watching our own children become parents and raise their own children, who are, of course, our grandchildren, has been a tremendous uh, joy and reward. And, you know, it, it's so true. My, someone said to my dad years ago, they said, Mr. Kathy says, it's not how your children turn out uh, that tells something about you. It's how your grandchildren turn out. Hmm about how good you parented. So so it, our grandchildren are revealing how good our parenting skills were with our own children. So that's kind of interesting. I get such a joy of being around and uh, being with our grandchildren. And this, this is the thought that we have the privilege to be able to invest in them in such a way that we can influence and transfer value, values to them. So, um, yeah, I, I just am inspired by them. So I was doing a little Instagram stalking on your Instagram page, and I think I saw that your oldest grandchild just turned 18. Um, And that's wild to think about because you certainly don't look like you're old enough to have an 18-year-old granddaughter. But um, what's it been like to watch your grandkid, uh, your granddaughter become a young woman and now legally, of course, you know, obviously there's still a lot more to growing up than just age, but be legally now an adult? Well, it has it, it has been a lot of joy to watch them uh, get older year after year. Having her going, she's in her senior year now, getting ready to um, step out into the to the real world. We've prayed an awful lot for our grandchildren. We've invested a lot of time into our grandchildren. Some years ago, John and I decided we wanted to be real intentional intentional with our time with them. So one of the first things we did early on was decide that when they turn eight years old, we want to take them on a birthday weekend trip together, just them. And they began to look forward to that as we began to tell them that it was coming when they turned eight. And then we promised to do that with them every three years after that. So from the time they were eight, and then we took them again when they were 11, and then again when they were 14, and then again when they were 17. So this particular granddaughter that you're talking about, our oldest, we took her on her 17th, on her birthday for weekend from the, when she was 17. And then we sat her down and we said, well, we've uh, fulfilled what we promised we would do with you. We've done four weekend trips together over the course of these years and how fun it's been. So we told her three years from now, when you turn 20, if you want to invite us to go on a trip with you, we'll be happy to do that. We're not promising a trip to you for when you're 20, but if you want to have one, we'll certainly make that happen. So I, I think the joy of being intentional with those uh, moments with them has been hmm. us so much pleasure. We've done birthday weekends with our children. We realized we had so many children, we could just have our own camp together. So we invite a lot of our grandchildren to come and spend three and a half days with us. We take care of all uh, 15 of those grandchildren for three and a half days, just my husband, John, and myself. We run it just like a camp. We have devotions in the morning. We eat meals together. We play field games out in the front, front lawn. We have a pool at our house so they get to swim. We've got a pond. They can go fishing. And I think all of these memories and what we call value experiences are, are going to pay off in the long run. We're creating memories for them and opportunities of investment into their lives. So I was so glad you mentioned value experiences. That's on the list of things that I wanted to bring up. Um, When did you realize that these value experiences um, were such an important part of of formation? And and was that more with the grandkids or with your kids? Or you kind of tell a little bit of a story about how you began to form some of the family values. But as far as the experiences go, when did they become part of your normal rhythm? Yeah, well, 
when when our children were growing up, I don't, John and I really hadn't defined our values. I don't think we. Yeah. Well, I know we didn't really sit down and try to try to think that through. But when we saw our children grow up and get married, we began to think about. I wonder if they know what really matters most to them. We thought that was really important. So. We realized that when grandchildren came along, we were a little jealous for the time with just our children and their spouses. So mm. we, some 16 years ago, I guess, we told our children, we said, if you would be willing to leave the, the grandchildren behind, would you pull away for us and spend one weekend a year? Uh, we usually do it in October. Spend one weekend with us and just to have time together as a family and talk about really significant, important things. And one of the things that surfaced out of those weekends together was was this word values. What are what are things that matter to us? And we begin to challenge each of our children to think about what is is important to you that is so important you want to concentrate on that as you raise your own children. And each of one of them as a couple individually under begin to understand what their values were. And we were so proud of them. It was over the course of several years that it that came about. And then they actually pinned their words on the wall in their home. So if you go in any one of their homes, you'll see their values clearly written on the wall. I think they're there so that they'll remind their children this is important to us. Also, mm-hmm. when guests come in their home, they can say, you know, these are things that are important to us under this roof and this and this family. And then the children begin to ask us, mom and dad, what are your values. And we actually hadn't clearly defined them as much as we were challenging our children to do it. We couldn't really verbalize them because here's what I realized. Everybody has values. You just might not have identified them or even communicated them to any anyone. So for John and I, understanding our values, we had to look back over our past and experiences that we had had that we thought, you know, these were things where we put our most effort into. This is where we invested our most time. And we walked away with five words that were our values. Our values are faith because our Christian faith is really the filter for our decision-making process. We uh, we value family. If you look at my calendar, you'll see significant time blocked off to make sure that I have uh, prioritized time with my family. Integrity is important to us. It's a value but that we live by. Generosity, being generous with the things that God has given us. And then the the fifth one is gratitude, that we just have a, a spirit, an attitude of gratitude for the things that God has done for us. So identifying those values is kind of the first step uh, for us. And then you begin to understand what your priorities are and you go that direction and you realize that every day when I get up, I need to be intentional to make sure these values are lived out uh, in my life. I, I like to mention in our book about three questions that are important to help you identify your values. Uh, one is what matters to me. The second is uh, what values govern how I live my life. And then the third, which is really important, is do others see these values in my life as I live them out? Because hmm. you know, maybe they don't recognize that. Maybe you say family's important, but they don't see that. They don't ever see you with, with family. So it's really important that those values that are important to you align with what other people uh, see and how you live those out. I, I was thinking about your story, and uh, you and John have been married for over forty years. If I yeah, years. Mm-hmm. well, that's incredible. Uh, I'm curious that um, that young couple that got married versus now. Mm-hmm. How, how many times do you think in your marriage your values would have shifted, or you know, if you were going to do this at w- when you first got married in your early twenties, w- would you have come up with the same five words? What's your thoughts on? on seasons of values? 
Well, we do this exercise with our teenage grandchildren. When they turn 13, we spend Labor Day weekend with them and we run them through an exercise of values that I put in the in the book. And we often tell them, so now you have a set of values now at the age of 13 or 14, but four years from now, those will probably shift a little bit. And when you find yourself in your 20s, those are probably going to shift. So I would have to be honest and say that I think our values have shifted from the time that early when we first got married and as we've matured in our, our walk with the Lord, uh, in our faith, and we begin to have shift those. But at some point, those kind of solidify themselves mm-hmm. and they become the things that we have to focus the, the most on. And so they, they do change from season to season, but I wouldn't say that they change tremendously um, over a course of time, particularly once you get into your uh, adulthood. Now, I, I would say that there, I believe there'll be people that will pick up this book and read it and they think, oh my goodness, I've never really thought much about values. And I never thought about the fact that I'm, what I'm doing is I'm passing this on to another generation. And so there may be a tremendous shift in values because you think, oh, I need to start living a little differently. I need yeah. to really focus on the important things. I, I've just been floundering. I've not really been given much thought to how I'm living my life. So in that case, even as an adult, I believe you might see a tremendous shift uh, in, in values when you really sit down and process it and think it through. It's, it's interesting. I um, have done quite a bit of work in values myself, and mm-hmm. um, I've got – so my family value, well, my personal values, faith, family, generous, humble, kingdom builder, those are, are kind of the, the values that I've launched onto. We've never done the exercises of family. Do you and John have separate individual va- This is me getting into the weeds, by the way. <laughs> Do you and John have separate individual values and then family values? Are you kind of um, just in this season of your life, put them all together? Would you recommend having individual values? W- what's your thoughts on some of that? Well, I, I would say, first of all, we share the, these values with us. And I think that helps unify us in our marriage that we're focusing on, on on the same thing. Now, we have different interests and we our personalities are, are different, no doubt. But I think it is, it's helpful uh, to strengthen your marriage, to have um, a, a real singular focus of this is what's important to us. And then I think that it also reinforces that into your children's lives. So they look at you and they say, oh, mom and dad value the same things. These are important to, to both of them, particularly when your values are related to faith or uh, mm-hmm. to family, how you make decisions. You know, uh, it's it's really important that there's a, I think, a sense of consistency there. Yeah. So so it, it, it feels right that our values are in sync with one another. Hey, guys, just pausing this conversation with Trudy to remind you to register for the Spirit and Truth Conference. The Spirit and Truth Conference is March 9th through 11th in Dayton, Ohio. And it's going to be a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit for each and every one of you. You can register by going to spiritandtruth.life slash conference and use the code podcast when you check out to make sure that you get the best price available. Don't wait. I can't wait to see you guys there. It's going to be such a great event. Now let's finish up this conversation with Trudy. So one of the things that we say around here a lot is that if you aren't uh, dedicated to your disciplines, you'll be destroyed by your distractions. And uh, so I always love to ask people who I feel like have an intimacy with the Lord, what are some of the disciplines that keep you connected to Jesus and keep you following him in a, in a way that you're um, happy with? Yeah. Well, first of all, time, time with the Lord is uh, so important and such a priority. 
And I saw this lived out in my, my mother's life. My mother had a very difficult childhood. Her earthly father walked out on her when she was a baby in mm-hmm. arms. She never actually met her earthly father. But when she was five years old, she was introduced to her heavenly father. And she would say today, don't feel sorry for me because my heavenly father became my perfect earthly father. She had quite a walk with the Lord. She was a real prayer warrior for our family. She was really a spiritual compass for my dad all these years while he was in business and um, such a cheerleader for us. But I remember my mom always taking time to be still and with the Lord, uh, with our Bible open and understanding his word and memorizing his word. And so she set a tremendous example uh, for me in that regard. So uh, one of the discipline is just time with the Lord, how important that is. I would say prayer is something I've learned also from uh, my parents that uh, powers, pa- prayer is powerful. And oftentimes we can't, when our children get older, for people who realize, you know, they grow up in a hurry. And uh, from the time they, they shift from having mom and dad to be their really good friends, and all of a sudden they're finding friends at school and friends they want to hang out with and sleepovers that they have when they're out from under the nest. Um, there's not a whole lot you can do, but prayer is one of those things that you can <laughs> do for your children and that I highly uh, recommend. I think that's an important discipline in our, in our life, not only talking to the Lord, but listening, uh, listening to God and then d- getting discernment on decisions uh, that um, that you make, just the discipline of of looking to God for direction. I know that in a family business, um, we have done that. We have had our share of ups and downs and challenges uh, in, in the culture and growing in a, a fast-growing business with a lot of opinions from a lot of people. And whenever we are faced with some, some challenges, uh, that is the first thing that we do is is go to the Lord and ask him for guidance and protection uh, that we will be honoring to him. Our corporate purpose at Chick-fil-A uh, is not to be the, the, the biggest company there is, is not to have the best profits, the highest profits. But our goal is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted us and have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. So if you're going to steward what God's given you and have a great influence, to glorify God, you're going to need wisdom um, from Him. So those disciplines are really important to me in my walk with the Lord. One of the things I just get the sense the more that I talk with you is that you, you don't really move without um, the Lord being involved in it, and I, I deeply appreciate that. How, how did you know that God wanted you to put this book together? Because this this is fairly intimate stuff that you're putting out into the world. It's, it's a look kind of behind the curtain, and it's also... You know, anytime you do something like that, it's both vulnerable, nerve wracking, and it's a labor of love. How did you know God was calling you to this? When um, I, I think it came to a culmination when my parents passed away. My dad was 93 years old. He passed away in 2014. And just 10 months later, my mom passed away at the age of 92. So mm-hmm. we lost both our parents pretty quickly back to back. They lived a wonderful, uh, wonderful life. But um, I'm the only daughter in the family and live very close to my mom and dad's home. And so when they passed away, I had the responsibility of going through their uh, their home that they had lived in for 57 years. It's really the only home um, we ever knew. I moved into it when I was two years old. So lots and lots of memories in that place. So I went through all the drawers, all the closets. And, you know, if you've lived anywhere for 57 years, you've got a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I like to remind people my mom and dad didn't take anything with them. You know, they left it all. So <laughs> a lot to clean through, a lot to go through. Sometimes I would look through things and I would just 
laugh, think, why in the world do mom and dad still have this? You know, and other times I would, it would just be overwhelming and tears would stream down my face and I would just have to, to walk out and leave because it was just overwhelming to try to, uh, to do that task. But by the time I cleaned through everything, I realized that the most valuable thing that my parents, uh, left us was their legacy. And, mm-hmm. um, the legacy that we live, that we leave is the life we live. And so it was their life that they left us. Uh, that was a tremendous legacy, and that was what was so valuable. And I realized that how can I help other families understand that uh, you can leave a powerful legacy if you're intentional with the life you're living right now? And that was really my primary motivator for this book was to be able to encourage and inspire others to be very intentional how you're going about your life, uh, to recognize um, the things that are important in life, to concentrate on those and create experiences that will be memories for uh, for years down the road for, di- for, for the next generation, for sure. One of the things that I appreciate about the book is it's what I call sneaky Jesus, right? So it's not, uh, it's not, you, you didn't write it as a Christian book, but you just let your Christianity kind of um, stream through the writing. And uh, and you included some scripture because it was appropriate in places and it just made a lot of sense. Um, h- how do you live in the tension of being uh, Christian and also out in the world and and let that kind of uh, kind of a sneaky evangelism, sneaky Jesus kind of emanate through your person and through the work that you do at Chick-fil-A and through, you know, all of, I mean, all the things that you do just seem to be associated with the Lord, but not, not overtly stated associated with the Lord. Yeah, I, I, I really feel like it's being authentic, really. Um, when in, in my walk with the Lord, uh, he, he's, he's my everything. I mean, I don't know how to make decisions without, uh, without going to his word. And, and the Bible tells us in, in Proverbs, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay, so completely trust in him. Mm-hmm. Um, and do not lean on your own understanding. We recognize we are so frail. We are so weak. We, we have to look to a greater being to be able to understand what we're to do. So trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. And then it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And so I have seen my parents do that beautifully in their life. I've seen my parents do that through a business to acknowledge God. In fact, I don't know that your um, listeners know this, but it, every time we open a Chick-fil-A restaurant, we have a dedication dinner. So we bring our team members and their families together, and we have a night together where we dedicate our business to the Lord. We just acknowledge that this business wow. is really not ours. It belongs to God. And therefore, we want to be really good stewards of the of the business. We want our team members to uh, serve customers with excellence. We want them to be friendly. We want them to treat others with respect and 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 with dignity and, and go the second mile in the service. That's a biblical thing to do. But go the second mile in how you take care of other people. So finish out that Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with your, all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, make him known, acknowledge that he's the one that's in charge, and he will direct your paths. And I don't know about everybody that's listening, but I I do know for myself, I love to have clear direction on what's ahead. 
Uh, I remember um, even in school, I, I love those teachers that would give us a problem to solve and then they would give us an example how to solve it. I, I love an example to help me navigate things. And when the Bible says that he will direct your paths, I feel like, okay, God says, just follow me. Just just be faithful and, and I'll, I'll guide you where you need to go. In a world of GPS, I think we all use them all the time uh, to, to, to get places. And if you ever that GPS ever fails, you know, it's, it's tough if you don't know where you're going. So um, it, it just seems natural that uh, God is just a part of the overflow of, of who we are in our life when we're followers of Christ. So one of the things that, um, that you talk about in the book is this idea of legacy, and I, I know that I have some friends who are listening right now who have a legacy that they're not proud of, that they're, um, they struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and of course, in the church, we, we might call that even generational sin. Um, how, how, do we, how do we change the direction of our family's legacy from what was to what could be? Well, what I know about our God is that he is a loving God and he's a very forgiving God. So that's the first step to, 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 to take is to, to ask for forgiveness for um, decisions in the past that have not been maybe the, the, the right ones. And God offers us a fresh new start all the time. You know, we get new seasons and we get um, new years. We, we get new days. So the Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. So when we get a fresh, fresh start is what God's all about. So I would say to those who are saying, you know, oh, I don't know about my legacy. I'm not sure that I have, uh, I'm at this point leaving a very good one. I would say it's never too late uh, to change course. Uh, even for John and myself to be able to identify what really is important to us. We didn't do that until around 30 years into our marriage. I think you just have to realize that the every day that God gives you is an important opportunity. Paul writes in Ephesians, make the most of every opportunity you've been given. Mm-hmm. So put the past behind. Uh, God can forgive. And I think it was Rick Warren that has a wonderful statement. He's a pastor out of Saddleback that says we are um, products of our past, but we're not prisoners of them. And we have to choose uh, to let go of those past and have a fresh new start. And this book is all about that, how you can uh, journey through. I've given all kinds of practical tips and, and helps to say, it's never too late. Today is a new day. Let's start over again. And let's think about what really is important. And let's be intentional how we live those out. Yeah, the the practical tips in the book are some of my favorite parts. I love the value word bank that you put in there and some of the other very practical, the very practical things. And I also, you, you list your values and go into depth, but you're also very clear in the writing that, hey, you've got to find your own values and uh, your values are not going to be ours um, per se. And I, I am curious, you know, when, when engaging with, your grandkids specifically, and this is me just completely trying to do it for my own good, right? Is someday I hope to be a grandparent if the Lord sees that. How do you engage knowing all the technology, all of the distractions, like the values experiences? Do you, is that a tech-free zone during those moments? Or how, how are you managing the, wor- the world that's stealing the attention of your grandkids? Yeah, well, we, we try to be honoring to what their parents are um, 
wanting them to do. Now, we have some grandchildren that come with us, and they don't even, well, most of them don't get cell phones until they're older anyway, which I really respect that their parents are able able to navigate that that really well. I didn't have that problem when our children were growing up. We didn't have cell phones, so that was an issue. So that's a big deal to have to figure out all the, the technology stuff. But we really do encourage them uh, to put all that aside so that we can just really connect. So when we do birthday weekends with them, when they come and spend uh, Camp Mipa, the time that we offer camp experience for them, uh, they actually just willingly put them away. And we work with a lot of young people. We have a, a nonprofit ministry called Impact 360. Uh, it's an opportunity. It's a gap year study program for young people between the ages of 18 and 20. And when we launch the program, they're in the classroom. They're learning uh, the truths about God's word, just to know God intimately. They're learning how to be transformed by God's um, uh, nature and that they would live out their their purpose for life. And so when they come into the classroom, you know, they used to come in with their cell phones and, and, and computers. And then we begin to realize every time you give them a break, they jump on their phone or they're on their computer and they don't engage and talk with each other. So we have finally gotten where we actually now are running the whole program. They don't even bring computers uh, into the classroom. Um, wow. Cell phones and computers are, are out. So we're kind of gone almost old school with how they're taking notes and everything. But it makes a big difference in how they're connecting with one another and forming um, really genuine community with one another. So we kind of feel like it's the same with, with our uh grandchildren we don't have any car john and i don't have cars that have video capability in them and so what our cars are full with lots of books so when our grandchildren jump in the car you know they're going to see what kind of new books we have in the car Uh, that's almost a new thing for them to be able to sit down and look at a book while they're in the car uh, versus getting on uh, technology and we'll play all kinds of games and we do road trips together uh, to get them to look out the window and be engaged in conversations you have to be creative I believe in, in the culture that we're in. I also mentioned, I think, in the book about just writing my grandchildren uh, notes from time to time. I I love that I can do that and they can get mail. And a lot of mm. times they forget that we actually can send letters uh, to one <laughs> another. To, to, to give a shout out to technology, I do love that we can FaceTime with them uh, when, when they're away and doing something fun that we're not able to, to, to be a part of. I love that for our older grandchildren, I can drop them a text when I know that they're in the middle of exams uh, or they have something going on that's been challenging for them and I can just drop them a verse of encouragement. So there are ways to leverage, I think, some of this, uh, some of these things in a positive way for sure. Yeah, I love that. And uh, our listeners might be familiar with Impact 360. We had John Basie on the podcast and we talked about the ministry and what God was doing there and disciple making. So I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes if anybody wants to go back and learn more about Impact 360 and what an incredible thing that uh, that God is doing through that. So as this book um, begins to find its way into the wilderness, my friends love to pray. Mm-hmm. How can we pray or, or what should we pray alongside you as this book gets into the world? Well, it, it's, a, it's a book that has such practical um, application. And I think my prayer would be that as people get it in their hands, that they will not just read it and find it interesting, but they'll actually apply it to their lives mm. and that they'll have the courage uh, to ask the hard questions that allow you to be able to un- understand really what's important to, to life 
and to be able to concentrate on those and put their best foot forward with God's help uh, to be able to make a difference and create an environment where um, people are catching on to what how they're living their lives. So I, I really want it to be inspirational to others That's that and, and influence them to make different decisions, different choices maybe than what they're making right now. We all know that uh, this next generation needs lots of prayer, needs lots of support. There are a lot of great things happening with this next generation, but there are also some really scary things uh, that are going on. And so I, I want people who read this book to step up to the plate and be the influencers that they need to be for this next generation. I love that. Um, I, I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, I know that my uh, my audience is going to know where to connect with you on all the social medias. Where's the the best thing to learn all about what God is doing in and through your ministry, and and where can they connect? Yeah, thanks for asking. That would love for them to connect with me anytime. The best place to go is to my website, Trudy Kathy White. Dot com. You can find everything um, there about me and how we can connect and how I might even be able to engage in your community, the things that are that are going on as well. And uh, just out of curiosity, do we, do we have another book coming? I know normally these things come in pairs. <laughs> well, that's a great question. I, I have said this might be my last, uh, but I said that before with a previous book. So <laughs> I know this is your third, right? This is my fourth, actually. Fourth. So. Okay, I missed one. All right. Uh, I believe my dad wrote seven. I've never had a goal to be able to to meet that or surpass it. Um, in fact, uh, I'll be really honest with you. When I was probably about thirty or forty, I'm I'm sixty seven now. When I was thirty or forty, I I set wrote down as one life goal was to write one book. I just thought I was mm. so inspired by my dad doing this. And I thought I would love to just write write one book in my lifetime. And so here's number four coming out. So. Who knows? I'll take it one day at a time. Praise God. I love that. Uh, okay. The last question I always love to ask people, it's an advice question. And um, I ask you to go back and give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to name the season. And I'd like to take you back um, to the birth of your very first child. Mm-hmm. And if you could pull a chair up in front of that uh, younger, probably less rested um version of yourself, if you could sit knee to knee with her, hold her hands and look her in the eyes, what's the one thing that you're going to tell her? I think I'm going to take her to um, a verse that has been extremely valuable to me since I was a junior in high school. And that is a verse from Luke 137 that says, with God, all things are possible. Mm -hmm. I would want her to know that she can go through life that God will be by our side and nothing's impossible as long as we trust in the Lord with God, all things are possible. Yeah. Dependency on the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, Trudy, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today for the way that you lead with your heart for the Lord and for your willingness to be uh, so vulnerable and authentic to my community. Well, thank you, Tony. It's, it's really honor to be here with you. And thank you also for your ministry and your impact on other people's lives. I pray that God would um, shine his favor on you as well. Amen. Man, what a great conversation with Trudy. I love her heart. Uh, one of the things that stuck out to me about her is the way that she communes with the Lord. What an incredible presence that she has. She just like drips 
with the Word of God. And honestly, that is absolute goals for me when I get older. Do me a favor. Go follow her on social media. Pick up a copy of her book and let her know that you heard her here on the Reclamation Podcast. And don't forget, the highest compliment you can give us, share this episode with a friend. Thankful for each and every one of you. Pray that you have a wonderful rest of your week. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.